Welcome to the OFX Podcast. I'm Dave Claxton. Along with me is our Ice Plunge Princess, Bethany McChesney. And this episode is brought to you by Duo Amen. All right. What do you want to hit first? Uh, the what's uh, I, well, I think the big news is what's um, the Tough Mudder going to Saudi? Well, let's go big news then, because then we can skip the other stuff if we get run out of time. So you got to hit the big thing. <laughs> Screw this bearing the lead. Everybody does so much chit chat before. Even us, screw it. Let's go right into it. Okay. Mm. Tough Mudder Infinity in Saudi Arabia, supposedly, although I haven't heard any numbers yet, biggest prize purse in OCR history. And yeah. Everybody seems to be jumping on. Yeah. Do you get the sense that people are having their their way paid and people are being paid to post videos saying they're going? I haven't heard of anyone saying they're getting paid to go yet. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if certain people got invites. Uh, it did happen really, it was like really fast where people were, you know, it's kind of, hey, here it is. And oh, I'm going like, so you might be right. Maybe they got the the heads up a little early and got got brought on. Um, mm-hmm. the, the first thing that jumped to me, though, is when I think biggest prize purse in OCR history, I think back to when Atkins won a hundred grand for getting uh, i think it was 110 miles at world's toughest mudder or him no him and albin they shared 100 grand for doing the team one and they got oh, i think it was 105 miles or whatever and then i know he think another time he got 50 grand for doing the 110 something along the lines so the point is, is like, if it's bigger than that and that was the same company wow yeah so well that was obviously when uh tough mudder was owned not by spartan no, that was pre-Spartan days. That was like, it was actually the one I was at, but it was um, right then they had like, they had a, a Tough Mudder pro team, which consisted of Ryan, Lindsay, Hunter, and Allison Ty. Oh, okay. And um, so they were, and they had the toughest series, which was paying out like five grand uh, or 10 grand per race. Like they were, they were shelling out the money and might've been part of their downfall, to be honest. Mm-hmm. You know, because they had that, and then they were shelling out twenty five grand for each one of the TMXs they were doing. Mm-hmm. RIP TMX, please come back. Um, yeah, so so this wow, one, so this one could be big. Yeah, it could be big. I mean, like some of the names. I mean, who I've seen Chris jump on it. Uh, mm-hmm. Calypso Sheridan. Rylan. Yeah, Rylan. Rylan. Um, um, Mark Batris. Ulrike. Mm-hmm. Ricky Evanson, Katie Knight. Um, I would be stunned if if Atkins doesn't jump in and and possibly like I mean, it would make sense. Yeah, it just kind of depends on how he feels about the whole situation. I haven't heard anybody speak about it though. So, yeah, here's the this is kind of the way it's like. I, I I'm sorry, I'm getting at like a. <clears throat> pardon me so it surprised me that everybody's jumping on so fast at promises of a lot of money without any specifications because these are some of the same people who are upset with spartan slash tough mudder slash deca for not having paid out promptly which is understandable would be pissed off too right makes sense yeah well i'm assuming this money is coming from saudi it's not coming from spartan 
That is my guess too. And I'm guessing that's the same thing these other people are thinking. And at the same time, I, I also think that, I mean, VJ touched on this the other day on the running public that because he's going over to Abu Dhabi to race in Spartan World Championships. Mm-hmm. And he said, you know, well, you know, 21 grand is, is worth the weight and worth the risk. Right? Yeah. So, so I'm, maybe these people are thinking the same thing. I mean, hey, man, we all need money, right? Yeah. Well, and I mean, it seems like that's all, like people are just seeing the dollar signs right now. And they're not really considering uh, like all the other issues around it here. Like, yeah, going to get into like, it. You're Saudi the you're Arabia. the you're the Middle East es- expert that we have or as close to it as you know, you've at least lived out there. Yeah, I just like I'm I'm a bit shocked, to be honest, that everyone is just like, OK, here we go. We're going to go to Saudi like and it, I mean, Saudi's kind of lately and it's similar to Doha where they've been really, really trying to acquire these big international sporting events. Um, and it's kind of, it's a way for them, I think, to um, kind of hide the fact that they still have such uh, terrible discrimination and laws against women and the LGBT. BTQ community and um, even the like the latest one with Saudi was they they acquired the uh, 2024 uh, FIFA Women's World Cup which came with like super shocking to the FIFA world because the women weren't really informed Um, but same thing like Saudi dangles a whole lot of money and then it's like the organization has a hard time passing it up so um, and with that one too like it's it's illegal to be um lgbtq in in saudi so what they're what they've had to say to the women was basically you have to um you have not like nothing overt like you have to basically hide who you are in order for it to be acceptable here if you're going to come and compete so and i haven't dove too far into what um like the women are saying about it and if anyone's protesting going um, but then, and even right now, Saudi's trying to get the 2027 uh, track world championships. And as of right now, they're being denied it because of what happened in Doha. So Doha hosted the 2019 track and field world championships and there was like zero spectators. Oh, okay. So, so, so the same thing. So they didn't really uh, make money. And, and again, people did protested as well and I mean even just with like climate in these countries also um like Doha I know the marathon something like a third of people ended up dropping out with heat stroke like and they run they ran it uh starting at midnight like in the the coolest time and uh in October like so the winter um like there's just so many issues and like temperature aside but I mean, supporting a country where women and men are completely not equal at all, sometimes it just seems like we're just going to go and kind of turn a blind eye to this in a way, like continuing to like show up to these events where, I mean, and Saudi especially, like, I mean, Dubai is different. And especially in the last 10 years, it's become a lot more liberal since Sheikh Zayed passed in 2011, who was like the founding father of the UAE. Um, But Saudi still, only a year before they had the track and field world championship. So in 2018, women were allowed to start competing in sports. 
2018. And in 2018, they were allowed to attend sporting events. That was, that was five years ago. Like, <laughs> and, and now, oh, we're just going to start going, like we're going to send all of these athletes to Saudi to support this country. Like it's, so there, it's, there's still this, um, like women are under a guardianship in these countries and Saudi is not changing this law. So you, like as a woman, you're basically, you have a guardian until you're 18 and then you're married off. So then you don't really have a say in very much at all. Like you're basically under uh, a man's control, whether it's your father or your husband, which mind you, as a female, you could be one of four because men are still allowed to have four wives. Women can only have one husband, but men can have four wives. So like, there's just, there's just so much still that um, it just, I think what, so what Saudi is trying to do, and the term is called sports, sport washing. So they're trying to bring in these sporting events to try to hide that they still have all this stuff kind of going on um, within like their legal system. So, I mean, you obviously know a ton more about it than me being over there and having that. I the closest I could do. I watched a documentary the other day just and it was a recent one just to get. And I mean, stuff like uh, women have only recently been allowed to try to get driver's licenses. Um, so they only just in the last, I don't know, last year they're allowed to drive. Yeah. Yeah. And and the one thing that caught me to, which was kind of funny, was um, it's about six times as expensive for a woman to get a driver's license as a man. But they can remember too. They can only drive if they're given their guardian's permission. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's not like that's not in Dubai. I had to have my husband's permission to drive. Yeah, and this is Dubai, whereas Dubai is more, much more liberal. Much more yeah. liberal. So, and that's kind of the thing is, I think probably a lot of people are thinking when they hear Saudi Arabia, they're thinking, oh, it's going to be the same thing as Dubai. It's not. It's not. No. So how? Yeah. As someone who, again, you've lived over there, you've been over there. Let's just say you were in someone, a, a contender type status for an eight hour tough mutter. Would you consider going over there? Like, is it worth, would you consider it worth the risk? Like I, there's, I wouldn't say there's, there's risk as far as, um, like, like they're not going to imprison someone who goes mm -hmm. there. You know, even I think if you go um, and you you're part of the LGBTQ community, like unless you're uh, like waving your rainbow flag on the sidewalk, I you're not going the the what will what is more likely to happen is you could be deported. Like it's it wasn't uncommon when I lived in Dubai that people would be deported for um, for various reasons. Like we. Uh, even Christianity is illegal in, in, in Dubai as well as in uh, Saudi, but like we were still allowed to attend a church as long as it wasn't like a building that stayed there. It would be like in a school or something, but you were not allowed to like carry around uh, like anything other than a Quran. Like you couldn't, and you couldn't ever be uh, seen like speaking about your faith to a Muslim because it could be seen as trying to convert. So as a, as a religious person, like you also, you have to be very careful too about uh, like open signs of your faith if it's not Muslim. Like a big um, ass cross tattoo. Yeah, yeah. I'm just saying, as an example, a lot of people have crosses as tattoos and stuff like that. Yeah, like it is frowned upon. But again, as an ex, like as someone who's like they want you to be happy and comfortable there, right? So they're gonna 
they're going to turn uh, away from a lot of things, but um, within the sporting world, um, and you'll probably have to get some sort of a visa that claims you as a government delegate or something like you were, you're gifted an invite from the government, um, which protects you a little bit. Um, but yeah, even things like, like PDA is completely illegal. Like I, I wouldn't, and I like Dubai again, progress a lot in the last 10 years. Um, but when I lived there, like you could not, I couldn't hold my partner's hand in public. And Saudi hasn't changed too much. Like I, I, I don't know. I, even there's things like hand symbols that are illegal that we kind of joke around, like that are, you could get in really big trouble for. Oh, there's just there's so many. Come on. What's that? Flash some hand signals. Flash them. Like don't give. Well, there's a different. Like we like if you give the middle finger, there's different ways of giving the middle finger there. That's like extremely offensive. Oh. Mm-hmm. Just little things. I don't know. But I like ultimately the biggest issue is just and so I haven't really thought deeply as if I would go if I was like an ultra athlete. Um, It's more about um, I'm more disappointed in that our organizations are going to support a country after they do um, like these these big things to support LGBTQs. And, you know, we. like we have like equality in our sport and then we're going to go and support a country and take their money, you know? So basically they waived their big chunks of money in front of Spartan tough and tough mutter. And they just, they kind of decided, well, the money is more important. Um, so we're going to go and we're going to bring our event here to support you um, as a country and kind of forget about the way that, like the disparities and the discrimination against women and uh, LGBTQ. And it's kind of funny when you put it that way. And I was just thinking in my head, it's like, so the whole ethos of, you know, do hard things, be tough, stick to your principles, all that stuff. But mm-hmm. yes, we have a price. <laughs> right. We can be bought. Yeah. And that's just kind of how Which I, I have that. said all the time, I can be bought. I'm fine with that. You, I've been <laughs> saying that clearly the whole time. That's fine. Yeah. And maybe this is a way also for um, Spartan to make up for not paying its elite athletes. So if they can kind of get these large sums of money from the Saudi government, then it kind of brushes over all the money that they haven't paid them in the last two or three years. So like, I'm I'm going to try to try to put a, a, a positive spin on it. One, I think, Hopefully, like you're right, hopefully, yes, it does. And, and they pay the athletes and they give some amazing athletes a chance to make some money and to participate in a great event and all that. That's 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 my hope. And, um, you know, I can kind of look at it as, hey, this is a chance to use people and people's funds who maybe aren't that great of people and use them in a way where we can take from them and and kind of that, that sort of thing. You know, I, I don't know, like, it's so foreign and i mean that in a literal sense of not understanding that culture not having for me any concept of what it would be like to to be there so Mm -hmm. it just is so hard to to fathom and to understand to to i also wonder like even with the dress that people wear when they race ocr like we as far as I know, women are still not not allowed to show their shoulders and their knees. Well, I think I saw something about some some tennis played over there. 
Uh-huh. And they were wearing and they reg- it? Yeah, and they were wearing regular tennis outfits. That's so, so interesting. So, so when it comes to sports, then it's fine. Because when I lived in Dubai, if I showed my shoulders in the mall, I'd be kicked it out. Yeah, but I mean, look at Dubai when they had Spartan there and when they have the CrossFit people there, they're, you know, CrossFit, I've seen them do a little more cover up, like the, some of the women wearing more like full t-shirts as opposed to just the the sports bras, but still pretty short shorts and, and stuff. And I didn't notice any different dress when Spartan was racing there. Well, but I like like I've said, Dubai has become much more yeah. liberal in the last ten years. I'm talking this was 2011, so yeah. I know that they've allowed they allow a lot more than they used to. But I don't think Saudi has progressed like like the UAE has. No, and 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 again, from my only source of information being that documentary is is, is it seems to be they're chasing the tourism. Saudi is trying to get that tourism in yeah. there, and that's why yeah. they're lap laxing a bit on the hard stance on some of the stuff so and i assume that's probably how it started with dubai too right well we want to get some tourism in here so we'll go easy but i think from the 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 showing that i saw seems like they would let tourists get away with it but not right locals seem to be a different rule but i think that's their way of trying to show the world that um you know, to kind of let things go with what they've done with mm-hmm. like putting women activists in jail for fighting for women's rights. Like, so, you know, let's forget about what we're doing because we're allowing these people to come and, you know, mm-hmm. they can, you know, cause that's what people see. Yeah. Yeah. And it did have, it did have that in there where they, some of the women they had talked to were put in jail for various yeah. Uh, Even the laws that they just that they just changed, like the laws about you know women being able to drive, women being allowed to attend sporting events, like the women that fought for that are still in prison. Some of them. Yeah, and what was it? Did they? Oh, I was trying. I, I lost it, but it was it was along the lines of they had, like you said, women that were fighting for the stuff, and they were put in jail. I don't know. I lost whatever that thought was. That train went away. <laughs> It'll come back later on. Like, have they let them out after they... Yeah. Uh, like I, oh, sorry. Now I remember where I was going. It, also, it was it was pointed out that a man in the area, especially a devout religious man, feels it's his responsibility to come and essentially chastise you as a woman if you're not dressed appropriately, if you're not, you know... Is that the kind of thing, like, did you experience anything like that when you were over there? Like, I never pushed the rules. So um, I never would have gone out. The only time, so when I ran in Dubai, uh, and so most of the time it's like 40 degrees Celsius and over. So like 100 Fahrenheit. So I would run at four in the morning before the sun came up. And I would run in a tank top and shorts and I would run down like a very unused road so that, but buses would drive by and men would yell at me. Yeah. But I, and I would look for cops because I could, I could have been arrested more than likely. They just would have like told me to cover up, given me a fine or whatever and went home. Um, But yeah, I was essentially I was essentially breaking the law, but yeah, it was, it was, it was uncomfortable, but at the same time, it was extremely uncomfortable to run in too much, like in t-shirt and shorts down past my knees when it's 40 degrees, like it was 40 degrees at four o'clock in the morning. 
like and it's not a dry heat you're still on the arabian sea like it's humid as heck so well i mean yeah and the other thing too was i found even uh like i would have my picture taken all the time like mm -hmm. in really uncomfortable like right in my face oh jeez yeah you know, when yeah, have... but again, women are not, we're not equal beings, right? At, by law, we're not. So there's like people and it, like culturally, it's not, we're not the same. Like we're owned by. So it's just, it's such a different way. I don't know. The thing is though, is you're going to go, they're not going to interact much with locals anyways. You'll, you'll interact with the people that are involved in the race and like, who's like the people running it and you're not really going to interact with locals. No. And in the hoping I'm sure on both of our side is that it goes amazing and everybody gets lots of money and everybody has a great race and everything goes good. Um, I got into concerns about it for other things. Um, actually, obviously there was all that, all that stuff is, is primary. But then I started thinking about the race and if you're putting up a ton of money, well, lately, since 2017, tough world's toughest mudder and all that stuff, any of the endurance races and anything tough mudder has done that's competitive. Well, it's kind of wishy-washy and only partially competitive because they have like, you know, skip obstacles. It's it's not well enforced, right? It's not mm -hmm. real. And my thought is, I, I, if I'm going over there, if I'm a guy like Mark Battress and I'm going over there and I'm looking to cash in and he's a guy who's going to be a favorite being as he's got the most miles ever to WTM or whatever, you know, he's, he's Mark Battress, he's damn fast. I want to know that this thing's going to be run under the right rules. Yeah. You know, and, and, and put on properly. And that would be one of my biggest concerns because I mean, Tough Mudder can do weird crap. It's fun. Yeah. It's great fun. But when you're talking a lot of money in the line, it's. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You gotta, you gotta knuckle down and put on a proper, proper race with proper mm -hmm. penalties and proper judging and proper rules. And that would, that, that concerns me. I'm like, oof, I hope so. But it is a eight hour infinity. So eight hours, many laps as possible. We haven't really told people what it is. Um, and it'll probably be run out in the desert, like somewhere oh, outside yes. of the city. Yeah. So which that's does, a good way of kind of sheltering them from things too. And which does give me hope they can make huge penalty loops. You know, <laughs> you, like, well, I, when I did uh, in Vegas, penalty loop for failing funky monkey was three quarters of a mile that's a penalty loop mm -hmm. <laughs> you know well as long as it's fair none of these none of these 200 meter suckers <laughs> do your obstacle mm -hmm. um yeah so i mean that's i guess the biggest news um there's other stuff too but see we, we we're at the point now where we got to go to the guests so we're out of time so we won't we'll cover it next time we will talk about uh uh dylan scott High Rocks or um, overseas. And uh, we'll probably talk about my weekend next weekend or whatever. But um, for now, we got to go to our guest. Um, top female Canadian High Rocks competitor. Here we go. Okay. All right. Um, Mike and Maria Fetchik. There it is. Smash it. I'm done. That's it. We're done. That's <laughs> it. Well, that's a peak. That's pretty much as good as I get. <laughs> all right um so yeah for those who don't know uh maria and we said just before would pro would be i think i'm safe in saying this the top female canadian high rocks time for correct? right now yeah for right now <laughs> who are you expecting to beat you i Sounds don't know hopefully someone no 
of course not. My goal is to continue to improve, but you never know. There's some pretty good females out there. All right. So why don't we start kind of how you guys, we're not going to go too deep back because we don't want to be here forever, but how did you guys get introduced to High Rocks and kind of where did you come from? Okay. So we have an online coaching business, The Holistic Athlete. And um, one of my clients is um, was is still fairly big into High Rocks. And he was like, hey, I'm going to try this High Rocks thing. It was about four years ago. And um, said, this might be up your alley. I was kind of burnt out from triathlon. So I said, sure. But I had never done anything, not a DECA, no Spartan races. I was pretty much swim, bike, run, and that was it. Um, so I said to Maria, you know, I want to give this a try, but I'm not sure that I want to do this alone. So we went into New York City the first year and um, did pretty good, qualified for Worlds. And after that, we were like, we're hooked. We're going to do individual. We did individual. Maria smashes every race. And uh I kind of just tag along at this point. <laughs> or are you running your doubles like when I run with Beth? You just kind of take some glory and that's it? Yeah, yeah. Usually like, she's like, come on, for the first couple runs, I'm good. And then she's like, all right, you got to keep going. It's uh, it's time for you to push a little harder. But in singles, though, like we both did well in open races. Um and learned a whole lot. And now that we're racing pro, it's just a whole different level, especially for the guys. Like uh, I just, I don't know how they're ran, running as quick as they can into these stations. We've uh, we did, we did some rabbiting at the North American championships last year and just mm -hmm. trying to keep up with those guys for one, for one lap is just like, it's crazy. We're handing off every lap. Like, go, you go, you go. <laughs> We're just trying to keep up the yeah. pace. Is insane. Yeah. Last weekend in Spain, the first kilometer, um, I was like, I think 11th or 12th into the ski. And they, I was like, I did a 320 kilometer for that first lap. And it's just, it's too quick. It's just wild how fast they're able to move and be as big as they are too. No, in fairness on that, a lot of people that did the 320 kilometer dropped off quite a bit. Yeah, I would <laughs> you know, agree like, with that. And even yeah. they, like I saw guys out front and you could tell like, I don't know that guy. I don't know that guy. I don't know that guy. And they're just going to fade away. But then there's some that come out of nowhere that you're, you know, like, like oh, they, they're legit. They're real. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, why don't we go for that? So you guys went over there and, and Maria, why don't you kind of fill us in on your race over there? Because you were going over there hoping to secure a spot in the elite 15. Yes. So yeah. how did, how did everything go? Cause. Yeah. So originally my plan, I actually hadn't planned to go to Spain, but until they switched kind of the qualification approach, which was the majors, there wasn't, I was like you said, number 18. So I was 20 seconds off from making the elite 15. So I was like, let's try to give it a shot. Um, so I went down there with the intention of qualifying and, um, yeah, unfortunately, I couldn't hang on. Um, but like I like you mentioned in your previous podcast, I was second into the lunges. Um, my running was the best it's ever been at that race. And then I just like I fell apart in the lunges. And so now I know that's my my area that I need to develop and then holding through till through till until wall balls. 
Um, but yeah, so we went down with the intention of qualifying and unfortunately I didn't, I didn't get the, didn't get the mark, but it was a really tough race. And even in the last two years, I've seen people, um, the times for women's have for women's racing and pro has just like really started to also get lower and lower, and lower. So qualifications now becoming harder and harder. Well, yeah, like Beth, what would, what would have been a qual like one, one ten last year probably would have been a nice yeah. time, a decent time. Well, races you were one in one oh six, like at the top for a while. So, yeah. And now, if you're not if if you're not sub sub one oh well, what is it one oh one oh is one oh six something is the top fifteen, is it not? Yeah. So yeah, I mean, one oh five fifty. I think it's Tara, and she's the fifteenth yeah. spot. And they used our qualifying time from they used our time from Worlds as well to qualify. So I'm like one oh six oh six. So I guess it's like sixteen seconds. Oh. From- <laughs> that said i'm pretty confident you'll get the roll down to compete in chicago yeah you think so i don't know i was um we're still gonna go anyways because we have some athletes from our class that are competing um so we're gonna go and support and coach and stuff but that'd be really cool because we're gonna go anyways yeah well um, i mean you're you're you say 106 106 is where we're talking. you're probably sitting like is this is it 18th is that what we were at you said so it's the 18th i mean there's a lot of european women on that list and there's a lot of majors to come in europe that's a lot easier for them to get to i.e sweden coming up very short shortly um Mm -hmm. after chicago in december so yeah i would be stunned if three people on that list didn't go okay so i mean (laughs) yeah like if we think back to last year in north american championship i know there was a good roll down on that oh okay yeah i agree i i I said the same thing. I think that, you know, we didn't want to leave anything to chance, but at this point, I think that there's no way that all of those Europeans are going to come over here, hopefully. Um, And I think, I think she has just a good a chance when we were comparing times with, you know, some of the world athletes last year in the elite 15, like she's right there, like could have competed with them and been just in the same spot, which is pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. So absolutely. how did you find the course then in Spain? Because we had heard some people say that it might have been a bit of a slow course. Yeah, I would say for the most part, like running, I didn't really have a problem. Like there wasn't like the congestion. I know mixed doubles was crazy in terms of congestion because my coach competed in that one. Um, but the only thing I would say is like I really tried to reduce my rock zone time. So I wouldn't jog. I'd actually start running out of the rock zone to hit um almost pace as soon as I got out. But I would say the only thing is when you are entering the station, they had things lined up like rowers, like sets of 20 rowers down. So you're running really far for an extra like 15 seconds to get to your rower. And that starts your rowing time as soon as you cross that line. So I'd say that's probably one of the only pieces that I found challenging. And then the sandbags and wall balls too. Yeah, the sandbags were a lot smaller um, than I think what we were used to. But at the end of the day, it's my like Achilles heel. It's the the one that I, I struggle on usually anyway. So I wasn't surprised. And then the wall balls um, were a little different than what I, what I was used to. But from a course setup, I thought it was well designed. But just the the long straightaways to get to your station um, were pretty long other than that. Was it a bit of a surprise for you with Spain having a reputation of having fast courses and you kind of 
Like, I mean, you know, Rich Ryan took the same shot. And I mean, anybody who was doing the math and paying attention, if you're going to search for a, a quick course, probably would have took a, took a swing at Spain somewhere. So did that surprise you when you got over there that it wasn't quite as fast a course? To be honest, I didn't go with the intention of thinking it was a fast course because I know courses like they try to set up as best as possible. And it just happens to vary because not every stadium or place that they do it is going to be the same. Um, but I remember people saying, oh, European sleds are easier. When I was pushing the sled, I'm like, this doesn't feel any easier. Neither <laughs> does this sled pull. It actually does not feel great. Um, so I'm like, I don't know what these people are talking about. Um, but it would have been nice because I, I know you guys are talking about like quick marathons in your last podcast. And yeah. again, every course is different and you shoot your shot, like you said. Um, but yeah, I didn't find there was any, I think the biggest thing was the running for Maria was more consistent because the course was basically two and a half laps, which is That's awesome. Nice. Yeah. You know, so that works to, I think a runner's advantage of having, you know, nice long straightaways versus having to like go out and just like New York city was just, it was, you were just turning circle after circle after circle. It felt like, was that the one that was originally going to be outside? And then they yeah. Made it inside. Yeah. 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 Well, you were probably better off anyway that way, but yeah. Yeah. That was, I think that's where I do well is when I found out the course was longer and less laps because I can, I can get ahead on the straightaways. So that was kind of like my tactic was to run the runs really fast. And so I'd run the runs, come into the station, either second, third, whatever. And then let's say I was a little behind, but then I'd catch up on the run again, because that's one of my, my stronger, stronger suits. Um, but going back to what you said, I didn't find the course any faster in Europe. <laughs> no, it looked like Australia was the place to be this year. Yeah. Yeah. They were getting like one minute sleds and things like that. Like pe people doing like one and a half minute sleds or crazy crap. It was, it was, I don't know. People seem to think that maybe it's when the sleds are new and the carpet's new that they get the best. The best bang for their buck, I guess, or travel. I, I got no idea. We've been harping for since High Rock started to get rid of the time qualifying and have placement qualifications. But I think that's something you said as well, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 It just it just makes sense. Come on, Mintra. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> um. So if you do get to run in Chicago, how do you feel about running on the grid? Because Less that's yeah. that's likely going to be a shorter because they they'll well in worlds they made it shorter. Well, last year at, at world at at Europe sorry North American Championship and we're there about they had it the full course still didn't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wait, no, no, it was a it was a grid. It was like a like half part of it, but the yeah. run was the full. Yeah, yeah, but like some parts of it were part of the grid because we're like the rower mm -hmm. uh, and the farmers carry and this and the sleds were all in the same spot. So, so my yeah. wonder is this time will they make it like like it was last year or will they make it like they did with Worlds, where they condense it into that small four lap deal? Yeah, I remember I actually judged at North American Championships last year, okay. and I judged. Remember, my athlete was Vivian. Okay, uh, Tofuto. And, uh, and yeah, it was, there was a lot of pressure to like, make sure everything was set up quickly. <laughs> like the three minutes you're like trying to quickly make sure like the sleds are in place, the ropes are changed and stuff like that. It is kind of nice. Cause there is really, there wasn't too much of a rock zone, which also helps your qualifying time or your finish time as well. Um, I will say, but then there's also the piece if they do shorten the run, it's also harder to run fast four laps in my opinion versus two. 
Oh yeah. Yeah. If you're just going for time for sure. Or if you're a running specialist, as opposed to a power specialist that, that, that definitely can get in your, in your system. There. Um, yeah. So that will be very exciting. Uh, Beth, you're going to Chicago. Have you guys decided? Uh, yeah, we're going to Chicago. There you yeah. Go. Yeah. Are you gonna meet? I am amazing. What are you going to yeah. do? I'm going to give the pro weights a try. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Oh, good. Well, we'll be there for sure, regardless. So we'll be there to carry on. Nice. Well, now I'm going to have FOMO. That's just mean. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I asked you. <laughs> you guys compete regularly together? Uh, usually. In DECA. In yeah. DECA. In DECA. Oh, yeah. Cool. In, uh, in High Rocks, we go different ways. <laughs> I, I run with yeah. my wife in High Rocks and, and, uh, yeah. I'm, well, because with high rocks, you have you run together, obviously, as you know. So you kind of have to be with someone that's like closer to your running abilities for pairs. Yeah. So I'm I'm more power, less run. Gotcha. That's what I assumed she meant. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. That is exactly what she was saying. Not that I was slow. <laughs> so you guys have the gym in is it officially in Burlington? Is that the area? Yes. So we don't own the gym. We rent the space from it. Um, and yes, it's in Burlington. It's called evolution fitness. Okay. So you guys are putting on something that I have been bitching and griping and wanting for a long time, as we just discussed, kind of not that fast. And I don't like to run that far, but Mm -hmm. something that I affectionately call a half rocks, which is essentially half that is. So give us a a little fill in on how this came to be. And, And you guys are an official high rocks affiliate. And if I'm not mistaken, probably the first in Ontario, maybe in Canada? We were the first in Canada, definitely the first in Ontario. Um, Our buddies out in Montreal have a a gym that um, is also an affiliate now. And I know they're popping up here and there, but yeah, it was kind of cool to be the first for sure. Yeah. So tell us about the, the, and I don't, I know it's not officially called the half rocks. What are they calling it? High rock sprint, I think. Yeah, Yeah, we're calling it a high rock sprint. We could have named it anything. Like it's not, something that's mandated from high rocks itself it was like we we thought it would be a really cool event to do um so we were like sweet let's let's do this and then to be able to also offer it at a um you know for free for people we thought it would be really cool to just kind of partner with a charity um so we partnered with socks for souls to um everybody's entry is basically a pair of socks or a couple pairs of socks um and you bring those and you get to race. Um, yeah, it, it just kind of happened. And we were like, oh, we'll be, it'll be great if we could get like 30 people to do this. And then we were like, oh, there was already like 45 people in like two hours. And then within 36 hours, we were at 60 people plus another 20 on a wait list. So it's just like, it just kind of blew up out of nowhere. And I think people in the area really are looking forward to it. I mean, we're having people from the area, but then we're also having people that are traveling, you know, from other gyms or out towards London area or the other side of Toronto, um, just to come to it. And, uh, yeah, it's really blown up. And that is something that High Rocks HQ should take notice of and bring us the real big full deal here. Like the full deal. Toronto. Yeah. We're hoping it helps with that exposure too, right? And um, our friends in Montreal are doing the exact same competition as Mike mentioned. Um, so we talked to Adam, who is one of the people spearheading it in Montreal. 
Um, and we said we want to do the same thing in Ontario. And then that's kind of how the idea came. We had thought about it for a while, um, but then we were trying to figure out how to do it at our gym because there is space limitations and things like that. That's why I can only take a certain amount of athletes. Um, and when we started it, we we're like, okay, let's see if we can get 30 people without more, more, it'd be mostly our members, but it's actually mostly people outside, um, of who come to our class, which is pretty cool. Um, and so yeah. is, is the running within the gym or is it outside? It's outside. So we actually have a nice paved trail behind the gym. So it's a 500 meters to 250 meter out and back. And then we have some stations that are going to be outside as well as in the gym. Um, and then we're going to have about 20 volunteers that are going to do high rock standard judging um, and just making sure stuff's to stuff's to standard, making sure that people are getting no rep if they're not doing it um, appropriately, just so people get the, as much as you can uh, resemble the high rocks experience for them and to see what that type of racing environment is like. Um, so yeah, so it's, it's helpful that there's that trail behind us, which is um, paved and pretty easy to navigate. It's one straight out and back. And then, and maybe you can just go through exactly what the zones will be, because I mean, you know, some people don't know and what kind of weights are you doing? Are you guys doing the pro weights, the amateur weights? So just run through the the, the layout if you could. Yeah. So all the runs will be 500 meters. Um, We're going to make sure of that. So um, beyond that, it'll be 500 meters of skiing, um, 20 meters of a sled push. The sled push is going to be, 200 pounds for women and 300 pounds for men. So a little different, but that also includes the sled. We wanted it to be so that it is pretty fast. Like I want this race to be like a sprint. Um, The sled pool is going to be the other 20 meters. So you'll push the sled basically one direction for 20 meters, go out, do a run, and then you'll pull the sled back for 20 meters. Um, the sled weights for the pool are going to be a little less, uh, 180 pounds for females and 250 for males. Um, and then after that burpee broads will be kind of a slalom. It'll be a down back down and back. Um, and then 500 meter row, um, we're going to do hundred meters of farmer's carry. Um, the weights for that are going to be the, um, open weights. So it'll be 16 kilograms per hand for females and 24 kilograms for males. Um, the 50 meter walking lunges are going to be 25 pounds for females and 50 pounds for males. So I think that's open weight again, mm-hmm. and then 50 wall balls at open weight. So it'll be a hundred pounds or yeah, hundred, uh, 10 pounds for females and 14 pounds for males. So the burpee broad jumps, uh, that's going to be 40 meters, I assume. Yeah. 40 meters. Sorry. Yeah. I'm looking at that. And the first thing I'm thinking is those sleds could be really, really fast because like you say, you're just going straight across. So if you're having a good push and you can just roll right in it, you can just keep mowing in. I think it's going to be super interesting to see how fast people can go um, with the light weights like that, but then also have to transition from pushing a sled that quickly to back out to a run to coming back in. Like, I think that, you know, as much as high rocks is like running a half marathon at 5k pace, this is going to be like running a one mile race at 800 meter pace. It's going to be really fast, especially on the guy's side. I think that's why I'm going to do a really, really late wave. <laughs> we'll put you on the top wave. <laughs> when, when everybody else has already gone home, that's, that's my time to shine. You there. don't want to race Jesse Bruce. I've raced yeah. Jesse before. 
<laughs> Notice the word raced. It just raced. There was no, that's it. That's all. I just raced. Yeah, I was no, with him for at least the first 300 meters. Well, two. <laughs> two maybe. And there was an obstacle, so I'm okay there. So. <laughs> yeah. And we're going to split it up. We're going to have the females go first, um, just like you would in High Rocks. Um, so females will all go off first. We're trying to um, put it in waves so that we have the fastest people going off first, and then it just kind of trickles down from there. And then the same with the males. The males, I think we're going to end up two waves of fairly fast guys um, and then trickle down from there. Um, and then cool thing is we're going to give away a free high rocks race for the winners of male and female. Nice. There so, you go. Oh, Beth just lit up there. She's like, I could use yeah. one of those. Well, I haven't <laughs> paid yet for Chicago. <laughs> <laughs> just hang tight. <laughs> yeah. So I think that'll be... Um, Kind of neat too. A couple other prizes here and there um, as we bring on some other vendors and stuff. I'm hoping to uh, secure some other stuff for, you know, second and third place as well. So um, something that we want to try and do at least once a year, if not more. I mean, with this kind of outcome, I think we could probably do it every three months or at least during like, you know, spring, winter or spring, summer and fall. What about, uh, what are the odds of hosting something like a PFT during the winter months? Is that a possibility for you? Because like, I don't know exactly what your gym setup is if you had the treadmills or whatever, but is that a possibility to host a PFT? Yeah, we could probably host a PFT as well. Um, we have like done a PFT style in our classes. That was one of like the benchmark testing we would do. Mm -hmm. um, we moved away from that specifically. Um, Just because we didn't think it really... It does. It's not the same. High rocks. No, it's not the same because somebody could do a 25 minute PFT and come back and do like, you know, a really good high rocks race. And then they're saying, well, you should be racing as a, you know, a partner or open and this person's already racing pro. So I just don't know that it's a great, it's a great benchmark test. It's not necessarily what we see as being something that would be an intro to high rocks where a half rocks or a high rocks mini or sprint or whatever you want to call it truly is that yeah i've always i thought the pft was one of those things where it's um it's something that is good when you can't do something else you know hmm. it, it when you when you don't have the space or when you don't have this or you don't have that and it's like it's a very simplistic entry level thing right so I, it's good the only thing that even seems strange is that there's push-ups in it and i've never understood why they did that but it is what it is whatever yeah, I think that, yeah, parts of it, you're kind of like, well, why are you doing 100 burpee broads? You know, you would do that in a race, but then you're doing push-ups and you're, yeah, it just, it, it it's good for gyms to kind of like low barrier to entry and like, you know, to kind of go around and kind of show what High Rocks has to offer. But at the same time, like you're only doing one run and it's at the very beginning you know you should do a run at the beginning and maybe one in the middle and one at the end just to kind of make it a little bit more challenging yeah i think it's essentially just not indicative of kind of like the effort level that goes into to high rocks but overall i think it's a fine benchmark test um but yeah and it's challenging people find it tough it's, it's a workout mm -hmm. it's a good workout all right so all that great stuff said about this magnificent event you can't come because it's sold out. Sorry. Piss off. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I feel, I feel bad turning people away um, or putting them on a wait list, but we just don't have the space. 
um, to do it. And again, our capacity, we like, we're going to cap it at 50 and now we've capped it at 60. Um, I might and- try to push that a little bit more. We're going to do a dry <laughs> run through and uh, see if there's any like way that we can add some extra waves. It's just that we're sending people off every 15 minutes. And with that amount of time, you know, we're going to be doing 15 waves of people, probably more like 16 or 17 waves of people. So if we can, I'd like to add more waves and get everybody off of that wait list that's on there. Um, I just need to see the timing because I'm just worried about the timing with the sleds. Mm-hmm. If we can make that work, then, and I can cut the time down to like seven minutes or, you know, even eight minutes, something like that, then we can probably add a couple extra waves in there and, you know, have it work. Um, the class this last Sunday that we did was very similar to a high rocks mini or actually a high rocks sim and it worked perfectly. So my hope is that we can run this just as perfectly and it'll kind of work itself like a well-oiled machine. Mm-hmm. And I would say though, um, and, and as an assumption, you could always use more volunteers though. Always could use more volunteers. So if you are on that wait list, my suggestion is show up, volunteer, and you never know who no shows. Yes. That's yeah. a great way to get a spot. That's yeah. always been my experience with volunteers. You usually get preferential treatment when a spot shows up. So um, yeah. that said, um, anything else you want to shout out or anything else? Uh, again, the name of the gym, how you guys can be contacted. Go ahead. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, he looked like he was going to say something. So. No. Um, yeah. I mean, the gym that we work out of is um, Evolution Fitness on New Street in Burlington. Um, the classes during the week are Tuesday and Wednesday. We do a track workout on Thursday in the evening time. And then we have a Sunday class as well. Each one is different in the way it's set up. So we do um, Tuesday is all strength. It's based around, you know, deadlift, squat, bench press, and push press or strict press. Um, And then we involve some of the other, you know, high rocks movements in there. Uh, Wednesday is a super intense class where we are primarily just working on VO2, like just really hard efforts with um, rest in there. Uh, Track switches between compromised runs, hill running, and straight track runs. And then Sunday is kind of our flagship class where it's more like a 75 minute workout with a lot of compromised running in it. Um, so yeah, we have things split up quite a bit. Um, you know, people can always contact us at holistic athlete. Um, I send you our email address too, so that you can throw that in there if you want. Um, and then we're on Instagram at holistic athlete FC and holistic athlete FC classes. Um, for both our online coaching and then our in-person classes. Awesome. And um, actually, um, since there, you do say you have your friends in Montreal with the gym, what is the High Rocks Gym in Montreal? Because we do have a lot of people in Quebec that listen as well. So, Yeah. Um, so Adam is, what's the, it's Olympia? Olympia Performance. Yeah. In Montreal. Awesome. awesome. Beth, you got anything else for Mike and Maria? No, thanks so much, guys, for coming on. And congrats again, Maria, on a great performance in Spain. And uh, we look forward to seeing you in Chicago. And we will see you in a few weeks at your High Rock Sprint. I'm super excited. Yeah, so excited to see you both and meet you both in person. So Yeah, it'll be great. Beth, make sure you're working on your speed because it's uh, it's going to be a fast race. And 
I'm gunning for you. I love it. <laughs> Dave, 